Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the second episode of the podcast. Today we have Trader Nick. Yeah, well, so so thank you again for for having me come on and chat with you and uh, do a little bit of content together. I think it's gonna be awesome. I've enjoyed your channel so far and uh, kind of a, a newer discovery to me, but good stuff so far. And always cool to see new people joining the the um, FX industry on on YouTube. So uh, I uh, my name is is Nick Syak. My YouTube channel is Trader Nick. I've been on YouTube for, I guess, like three, three and a half years now, and I've been trading for about six years. Um, I predominantly trade currencies, I trade commodities, I trade indices, and I trade stocks. I trade a lot of things, uh, mostly, well, I guess with stocks, it's more investing, but the rest of them, I'm pretty active. Uh, I've been trading. I have a pretty specific trend following style that maybe we could talk a little bit about today if you'd like. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your style as well. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit of me in a nutshell. To start off, I want to talk about how you actually got into learning and building the capital because a lot of people are actually struggling with where to find the right uh, education, how to build the capital. You know, a lot of young people especially want to get into trading. So is that something you know, obviously, because you're a full-time trader now? Do you have any advice for, for people on that? Yeah. So when I when I first started trading, it's a, a bit of a different, I mean, the, the FX industry is such a frontier right now. Um, comparatively speaking to the to the stock market, it's the Wild West. Like there's a lot less regulation, which is scary. There's a lot of uh, stuff that's up and coming. For example, uh, prop firms. I know a lot of people are big into getting funded. That really was not much of a, a thing when I first started trading. Um, I fortunately, prior to trading, I had, I've been kind of a entrepreneur for, for the last, I don't know, 10 years of my life, really all my life. Um, and so I actually had a little bit of capital to bring to trading, fortunately, but I understand that struggle completely of like, okay, you kind of realize trading is not this get rich quick thing. It's this uh, slow and steady process, but in order to actually make money, you either need to have money yourself or find a way to get funded. Um, so I understand that struggle big time. I get that a lot on my channel as well. People asking me, Nick, what do you do if you don't have any capital? Or, you know, I'm trying to flip this account. I just keep blowing it up. And, and how do I how do I approach it? So I'm not a big fan of, of gambling and, and risking huge on accounts. For me, uh, I think that the two paths that you can go with are, even, are either save up, invest, uh, and, and, you know, slowly build that capital, your own capital, which is more so what I did, uh, or go the get funded route and prove yourself to one of these prop firms that are out there. Um, and that's a whole, whole nother conversation and avenue to go down. Have you ever tried any of the prop firms? You know, I have not, I have worked with a lot of them. I've spoken with them. Um, probably all of the big names in the industry I've, I've, uh, worked with or spoken with. We do a lot of partnerships. Um, my YouTube channel, of course, but then we have kind of uh, the company behind us, A1 Trading, which is my team here. We do articles and newsletters and, uh, and other videos on our other channel. So we've worked with a lot of prop firms. Um, I understand generally how they, they function. I've just never personally really had a need to get funded. Uh, and of course, there's pros and cons with getting funded. We could talk all about that. For example, you know, getting funded is an excellent solution if you have no capital, but there are some certain disadvantages. There's a profit split. The funding program um, trial periods are can be pretty expensive. Um, there's disadvantages to trading with a prop firm. Um, 
so if you're if you're fortunate enough to already have a bit of capital, to me, it's like I, I personally would just rather trade my own. But uh, there's different schools of thought. Some people are like, why would you ever risk your own money when you could trade prop firm money? And it goes in circles. But for me, I've always been I'm old school. I've trade my own money, uh, invest what I've got to invest. And that's it. Do you think, though, for like even myself, I have enough capital to like trade full time myself? Right. I do the prop firms because you think it's a 500 pound investment. If you put that 500 pounds into an account to make the like 5% on a hundred K account is five grand to make 5k from a 500 pound account. What's that like a thousand percent? Yeah. And that's, that's a game that you can kind of play an angle that you can talk about for sure. Um, in terms of prop firms. So, so my personal opinion and, um, it's, it's, I think it's kind of fairly known to people who are pretty uh, active in the industry. The thing is about passing an FTMO or, or maybe I don't know if I should name drop, but you know, all the names that are out there, right. Passing these various prop firms, they have their own lists of qualifiers and disqualifiers, and they're not easy. There's, there's nothing easy about pa- passing a prop firm. And in fact, for me and my style of trading, I, can generate for me, like what I'm comfortable with, which is like two to 5% in a month is something that I'm cool with. Some of these prop firms have much higher things that I would have to go outside of my normal trading performance to try and reach for the stars and grab that uh, all the while taking added risk that, you know, I probably wouldn't take in my own personal account. So I understand there's like a whole nother strategy to trying to get funded and trading differently than how I would trade my own money which is a bit weird for me, but I think, like I said, I, I'm not bashing like that idea. I think it's a great mm-hmm. approach for certain people. If you're like, okay, I have some capital, but I'd rather use the prop firms and I can prove it to them. If you have the skills to pay the bills, then, you know, there's, there's more, more than enough room with some of these prop firms to uh, take their examination, pass it, become funded and trade their money. But like I said, for me, it, uh, I'm just in a position where I don't really need to, to borrow anyone else's. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. From what you're saying there about your trading style, from what I've seen on your channel, it's more of like you don't win every single trade, like a lot of these people claim to do. You show like the realistic side of trading. Then you wait for that one big winner, catch the whole move pretty much. And that makes up, let's say, like two weeks of losses on that one big trade. Is that kind yeah. of the outline of it? You put it, you put it very nicely compared to what I would call it. I lose a lot of trades. <laughs> I lose, I lose, I lose, I lose. And then I finally uh, will take a trade that kind of pays off the losing. And um, if you ever look into some of the old school uh, trend followers, um, there's a lot of hedge funds and professional traders uh, of history that have kind of um, built, uh, built their, their legacy around trend following. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in trend following. Um, you know, it's something that you can kind of observe in the real world. Like for example, when people started, you know, switching from Blackberries to iPhones, right. That was an observable shift in a trend. And then I think just trended for a long time. You know, everyone has an iPhone now and everybody wants an iPhone. They'll keep buying the new iterations. That's like an observable trend that carries over into markets. Obviously you could have bought Apple stock as a, as a part of that trend following. But for me, those trends, right. Uh, poor performance from a, uh, a certain economy or poor performance in a stock's earnings, there's trends that you can kind of pick up on and ride along. Now those trends, it's easier said than done, but what in- inherently happens to my trading is that I go with the flow on a lot of different, uh, opportunities. I look for opportunities that I can get the best risk reward possible 
but I inherently lose a lot. I, I take a lot of like, I throw a lot of darts and then finally something hits and that's where I'm able to kind of um, produce a, a positive outcome. And uh, the thing is, Trend following, a lot of times people think of trend following as like, okay, all the moving averages are telling you to go up. And, and to an extent, yes, that's going with the price action trend. Um, but to me, trend following means something a little bit deeper in the sense that trend following doesn't mean buy it when it's headed up overall and then sell it when it gets back to the high. Trend following to me means buy it and don't sell it until the trend turns bearish. And I think that... Um, there is some huge, huge uh, pros and cons with that. If you buy something and you hold it until it turns into a downtrend, oftentimes the market like will whip you out of trades. And that's why it takes such a high number of losers. But every once in a while you catch a trade and it's just like fire, it catches fire, the whole building's on fire and you're just, well, that's a bad analogy, but you, you get the point, right? Like it, it becomes something really, really big. And it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, um, I try to hold on to a winner for the maximum I possibly can and stop out of losers uh, very quickly as well. That's what I saw from your video. I think it was like, I think it was on your stream today, actually. I, uh, I clicked on it as it came up and you showed that your losses were like 0.25%. Then the wins were like, I saw one was like 4% or something like that. So it's like, you're losing, let's say five trades. But when you get that one winner, it's made like double like what you normally make from just entering like even with a 50% win rate, you're probably still making more because yeah, big move and you caught pretty much all of it. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's like um I look like a I look like such a loser for so long in a lot of my trading and a lot of my trade videos, you know, I I'll post them up anyways because I'm like, you know what, I want people to see it because trading trading most of the time is either waiting is painful and then from especially with my style of trading very rarely it feels great and uh you know that to me that's a, a strange um way of approaching trading but that's the only you know way i've been able to be consistently uh successful in it is to do something that is so painful to myself included, but to most people yeah. is to, to, you know, try and hold on tight to that one winner that very rarely actually comes along. Um, but I think my, my win rate overall with my um, performance on my, my FX book, I checked it recently, 40% of, um, of my traders, uh, traders, my trades are wins. 60% of them are losses. And even within those winners, those 40% of the time that I'm winning, most of those are just really small winners and break-even trades. And then a very tiny subsection, maybe five to 10% are actually prize possession trades that have gone in my favor. And I can think of them, I remember those trades because they're incredibly you know, memorable when they happen. Um, you know, I went long, uh, on the CAD recently. That was a really big winner. I've had some gold trades that have done stuff like that. Uh, I traded the elections in, um, in 2020 and had two back-to-back -back NASDAQ trades that were just insane. And again, I would be lying if I told you, oh yeah, I, all my trades look like that. And I knew that was coming. No, it was a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of, I'm not going to call it luck. Cause I had to sit through a lot of bad trades to get there. Uh, but just a bit of variance, just a bit of, you know, I had to sit through a lot of bad trades to catch those occasional big winners. You think that's why your channel is growing so much because you're transparent. You don't say 
I win every trade. You show the true reality of forex trading. You know, I don't know. It's a that's that's an anomaly to me because yeah. Will, that's a that's a good point because I feel when I watch your channel, I get a, a similar vibe of uh, a lot of transparency and realistic nature to trading, and I'm excited to see that some traders are adopting that and, and bringing that to the YouTube space because I, I want to, you know, uh, you know, join arms with people that have a similar approach to trading because there's too much hype and too much nonsense. Like it's, yeah. it is everywhere. Um, so many people, they won't show any form of a live account. They won't show any profit. And by no means am I the world's best trader or anything. But when you watch my channel, I make sure to show you that this is a real, you know, this is really me really trading for better or for worse. You're going to see some bad times. You're going to see some good times, but it's real. And, and, you know, I get that vibe from, from some of the new people that are popping up and I'm really excited about that. I do think that, you know, my channel, um, perhaps I wouldn't say is, is necessarily like exploded from that. And, you know, I don't actually get tremendous number of views either. I mean, my YouTube channels, it's grown over time, but I've been doing it for a long time. So it has grown for sure. And I think that we've built an audience around um, my, my two channels, the Trader Nick and the A1 Trading. We've built an audience around um, the transparency. Uh, but I think honestly, Will, the thing is, right, the, the painful truth of it is some of the... Um, the hype gets more views, you know, yeah. and that's a little bit something I'll be honest with you. That irks me just a little bit is when you look around the, the industry and you see that the, the bulk of the views go to people who talk about, you know, flipping an account 24 hours from now and, you know, how I, um, you know, made six grand on gold with no context of how they did it. And, you know, um, have this trading robot flip my account. There's so much of that stuff that is out there. Uh, and I do think that that collects the majority of the views, but will for us, I think what's kind of exciting <laughs> is that we collect the, the, the good views. We collect people yeah. who are kind of the down to earth people and building that community is a lot more wholesome than the, the account flippers, as I like to call them. See, I, I agree with that. And I'd say it's better in the long run to get those viewers because they know that, okay, I might have losing months, but overall over the year, that's why I should aim to be profitable. And the people that want to do the account flips, they just want to make money quick. So they won't be around in a year's time, still trading Forex. So that all right. their viewers and subscribers will go when the, the viewers have realized this isn't actually how trading works. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right too. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I recently did a poll on, I don't know if it was a live stream or my community tab, one of the two, we did a poll and we asked uh, the audience, I, I said, Hey, um, you know, have you been trading longer than six months or shorter than six months? And um, my expectation for that was like, okay, we're probably going to get 80% of people to say that they've been trading for less than six months because inherently this is a very transitory industry. Um, through the time of my YouTube channel, unfortunately, probably 90% of the people who first initially watched me no longer even trade. Because that's just the the metrics of the business. Unfortunately, there's a very high turnover rate in the world of trading because people get in, they realize how much work and how much money it's going to take to get profitable and, and to be profitable and make money, and they leave. Um, so unfortunately, that's kind of the industry. However, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the people, I think it was my live stream, it was like half and half. So half of the people had been trading for longer than six months. And the other half were beginners. And the, the reason I say that is, um, are you familiar with the 90, 90, 90 yeah. rule? 
you, I'm sure you, yeah. you've heard the, you know, so the, um, 90% of uh, traders lose 90% of their account in the first 90 days. So if they make it past six months, that's already something to kind of be cool about uh, or, or to be proud about. I'd, I'd be curious, Will, to uh, hear if you did a poll on your community tab or something to see if you get something similar. I think it'd be quite different. You think so? A lot of my videos are like funded, like funded accounts, profit splits mm. and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd say it's... A completely different audience you might even get honestly you might even get more traders who are further in their journey you might yeah. get like it's possible I, i'm i'm mm. not sure uh I'd have to look into your audience but you know funding people who are interested in funding programs i feel like is a as a bit of a crowd that's like okay they they know what forex is yeah. they're not super beginner they're like trying to go to the next level to a degree because i think some of my highest videos are on funding challenges and mm. funding payouts mm -hmm. so i always know that if I, if I need a few quick views just part of funding challenge get the payout video series done yeah and i think that that's series out of it yeah and i think that's what kind of makes your your channel so relatable to a lot of people is like somebody actually and i and maybe in the future i'll consider doing content just for the sake of content like mm. trying a, a funding program or something like that just to to go through the steps that a lot of traders out there are finding themselves you know within your channel they probably love that content because it's like hey you know will's doing it i'm i'm trying to do the same thing let's see if we can you know put heads together and, and figure this yeah. thing out so uh, and I, I think to your point about being transparent and relatable, that's probably why, you know, definitely on my channel, but perhaps why your channel has also done, you know, has really grown uh, is maybe just the the level of relatability that your audience has to your sort of content. I'd say with my channel, it helps that I'm young too, because a lot yeah. of people getting into trading now are quite young, you know, they're teenagers as well. So they're like, okay, if this person's done it, then I could do it. Yeah. And I think like when I started my channel, it was like two years ago. I think I did like a couple of videos and, you know, you can see like the progression. I was trading like a hundred pound account, something like that, a thousand pound account. And now it's like 200,000 account. And obviously they can see that growth and they can think, okay, if he's done it, he's followed these steps then I could do it too. So I think a lot of people get inspired by traders, YouTube channels. I think I was probably the same when I started watching your channel, just realizing, okay, get rid of all the scams. I don't care about the cars, any of the money stuff. I want to know how to actually trade. So I'm not going to, why would I watch a trader when I'm trying to learn how to trade? That's just driving his car around. That's I mean, very you're going to get question. people that want to get rich quick that are going to watch that sort of stuff. But you're going to learn nothing from it. They're going to show you their profits. What do you gain from that? <laughs> They just gain views and money from you. You gain nothing. So I think that's why yeah. the transparent channels actually do quite well. Yeah, I tend to agree because I think you're adding, you're genuinely adding more value and attracting the audience that doesn't just want to look at the end result as if it, you know, it's just like this fun dream to think about. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll, I have recently been watching a lot of card counting videos mm. and I actually, full transparency, have no intention in learning how to card count because I know from watching those videos and, and trading as long as I have that every skill is so much 
harder than it comes across on the surface. And watching this guy's video, the card counting video, he doesn't do the, the hype or anything. He's actually probably one of the better channels out there for this. But I just like to compare notes with trading and then watch his videos. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting how a lot of times you'll see the people who just kind of like they know that a lot of their audience doesn't actually intend on truthfully putting, you know, their head down and working towards trading success. It's more just the idea of having fun and easy success that's easy to watch and click videos on. Um, but then, you know, the videos where you actually get forced to sit there and learn a strategy and test concepts and um, apply rules that you're learning. Like that's, that's for more of the people who are serious about this stuff. Yeah. And I think you kind of need those channels, those entertainment channels rather than the educational ones, because you're going to have like, it's going to be some people don't want to learn. They just want to see traders doing quite well, but others obviously want to learn. So you kind of have to have a bit of both, but it's the ones that have the cars that are then selling you something when they don't actually trade is the bit that's like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's to me, that's where things start getting a little bit like, okay. Cause then you get, uh, you know, the entertainment and what it, what it looks like to be a trader. Meanwhile, the guys that are entertaining are not actually even trading. Yeah. They're just showing the lifestyle of what they're, they're basically playing into the, ideological trading lifestyle. I mean, I trade, but I also run a business. Like I have a, like a media business. We, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I got to the point where I was consistently profitable. And then I, I was like, you know what? I'm making, I'm making pretty good money from trading. And at the same time, I was making pretty good money from YouTube. And between the two, I could have just been fine to like relax. And I have uh, a, a trading friend here on YouTube. Um, I won't name his name because I don't know if he wants me to talk about him in this way or not, but he's, he's kind of said in the same way, he's been like, you know, I got to that point and I'm just good. Like, I don't want to go on from there. I just want to trade, make a video and call it my day. The rest of my day is mine to have. Yeah. And, um, I got to that point, uh, the summer of 2019, I think. And I kind of just got to a point where I was like, okay, great. I'm, I'm making enough money to pay my bills. I could buy most things that I would like to buy myself in life. And I said, but I'm bored. <laughs> and I just boring. said, I just said, you know what, I'm going to turn around and actually try to for no other reason than I would like to do this. It's fun and it's exciting. I want to make a, a Forex news station. And that's kind of been my, my mission since is to try and create like a, a movement around what we just talked about, the transparent trading and, um, you know, just, just really bringing free value to the industry. Uh, so we've put together a team here in Atlanta. We've been trying to cover everything that's going on in the world of Forex and give education to people for free and just have fun doing it, record real trades as they're going on. And that's kind of been the whole journey is like, I just turned around. And I was like, I, I don't have, you know, I don't want to just trade and make a video for an hour and a half in my day and then not do anything the rest of the day. Cause I'm a swing trader. So I got, you know, I'm too personally, I'm too active of a person to do that. And I don't shame anybody who's not like that. Like if you want to be more flexible and, and travel and do other things then cool. I just, for me, it was like, I just needed something else to chew on. And the idea of building a media business was kind of thrilling on top of the trading. 
Do you have like a whole team that does all your videos, editing? Because I think you upload every day, don't you? Yeah, we, um, we've got, uh, there is currently six of us total. So um, there's myself, we have another trading analyst who helps within our um, community. Uh, and then we have a team of um, marketing and then producers, content. Uh, so, you know, cause we're, we're putting on like shows and we're trying to get to a point like longer term vision would be on the second channel to kind of be like, if you turned on the TV and went to a finance news station, we yeah. are trying to build that for Forex long-term. So that's kind of our, our mission. So we, we build software tools. We, um, you know, try and cover what's going on in the world of, of Forex, but I feel like I'm plugging my thing now, but that's kind of what we do here just for fun. It's like ultimately just the coolest job ever. Is trading your main source of income or your, your business is like now growing bigger than your trading? Yeah. So um, at one point, trading was about half with YouTube. And since then, the business has grown. So honestly, I make more money outside of my trading than from my trading. And I've talked about that on my channel a lot because again, I just, I got nothing to hide. I show my channel all the time. We, we build a lot of software tools we have like a lot of people involved in this. So um, that's definitely been kind of a, a growth thing, but trading remains a component of my income. And pretty much a lot of the, you know, the money that I make, I turn around, I invest it, I trade it. I, you know, I, I invest in stocks. I, I trade uh, currencies obviously. And that's the other thing is like the cool thing about Forex is that, or just trading and investing in general, it's like whatever you're doing, whether you have a, a side income, whether trading is your primary or only source of income, you can take what you're doing and leverage it up, right? Like if you have, um, you know, I, I'm a software engineer by trade. So we started diving into Forex backtesting softwares, Forex, um, you know, building software tools for, uh, for individuals and small firms that want to buy it from us. And we have been kind of building that. So it's like, I'm able to, to basically build those sort of tools for individuals and for teams, and then turn around and use that capital to build up trading capital over time. And, and that's been kind of cool. So another long-term vision for us is to, to build, um, and we've, we've started building like an in-house prop firm with some of the capital that we raise, not taking outside um, capital like, uh, you know, at least not now, uh, for now, it'll just be professional traders hired within our firm here. Is that just for like people that show like consistent, uh, returns then? Yeah. And we can kind of do our own in-house audits and that sort of thing. Uh, right now it's just myself and, and Frank, who is our, he's one of our analysts here, but, um, him and I have been trading together for, I don't know, five, six years. He's the one who introduced me into this stuff. Blame him. <laughs> Is it that same sort of strategy which you've been using from the start then? No, no. I've switching. Um, yeah, so I've uh, I think that the strategy that I use now, I have used for three years uh, as like my primary approach to trading. Um, prior to that, I had done some, and I still have some um, uh, reversal strategies that I've that I've worked with and and. Um, traded for a while. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've bounced around a little bit more early on when I was, you know, I was doing the whole, uh, song and dance of switching strategies every weekend. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fairly common. What about you, uh, Will, with your trading strategy, 
Is that something that you've been using for years, for months? How, what about you? Well, I kind of, when I started, I didn't really know what to do. So I just back tested. Yeah. I dropped out of uh, college at 16 to just Dang, go forward okay. into trading. Wow. And because it was during COVID, I got away with it because you're meant to be in education to 18 in the mm. UK. And somehow I got away with it, had two years of no education, just trading all day, every day, just back testing, probably like six, seven hours a day, journaling pages and pages of notes. And I don't, I didn't really learn from anyone. I kind of just over like the three years, just built it up, like still not every day, back testing, back testing, just trying to make it so that I have these, I say four or five criteria. If those fit, I'm in the trade, let it run. Hits TP, great. Stop loss doesn't really matter. That's it. So it's not really like I switched. Obviously, you see on YouTube this new strategy, this new strategy. And, you know, I watch the videos, but, you know, if I've got a strategy that works, why would I change it? Mm. So I kind of just stuck with the same sort of like layout of the strategy, add certain bits. You know, if I realize, okay, out of the past few months, I'm losing this particular setup. I'm going to cut it out. And then if the win rate improves, perfect. If the win rate starts going down. Why has it gone down? So I kind of use like the stats to improve my strategy now. And obviously, because I got the hundreds and hundreds of trades of back-tested trades or the data, I know which days I have to trade, which hours of the day I have to trade. So then I can work around that. So like with mm. the YouTube stuff before, you know, I've missed trades because I was filming YouTube videos. I was trying to film it all live. But now I know, okay, at this time of day, I'm going to be trading. Mm. That's when I need to have everything ready. If I want to do a live trading video to then start filming. And so, yeah, I just kind of developed the same sort of strategy. Very just cool. Made it better. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I think, um, you know, a lot of times uh, a, a purely mechanical strategy versus a, a mix um, is something that, you know, a purely mechanical strategy is good on paper, but you can start getting to a point where it becomes analysis paralysis to a degree yeah. where you can just back test until you can't see straight. And then it's like on every single pair, you're like, well, on this pair, I should go for 37.4 pips on a take profit. And you could start getting like so mechanically heavy. Um, yeah. And especially when you start adding in fundamentals, for me, fundamentals, the biggest issue with a lot of fundamentals is a lot of it is sort of discretionary um, where if you are looking at the ECB and trying to measure out a rumor of uh, earlier than expected rate hikes, that, that's something that is very hard to quantify in a specific mathematical metric. Whereas, you know, if you use moving averages, that's a super easy mechanical metric to try and backtest or calculate. And so, um, you know, my, my strategies uh, that or strategy that I use is to a degree sort of discretionary, but then it has some mechanical rules. Like my, my entry and exit, like technical analysis components are actually like a fairly small portion of what I do. I pretty much, uh, you know, I think anybody can really spot a trend to a degree and spot a pullback and, um, you know, stop loss placement can get 
you know, a bit, a bit tricky, but uh, it doesn't get incredibly, you know, 300 IQ to try and find a, a technical entry for me. What really is more me- important to measure are, you know, the fundamentals, the things that are really driving the markets. And um, I don't think that uh, you have to per se use the fundamentals, but for me, fundamentals tell the story and give me a directional bias. And the technicals are just kind of my entries and exits. That's like my stop, my red light, green light kind of thing is to use the technicals to enter and exit, but the fundamentals to kind of guide my directional bias. And that's what works for me. That's what I've been doing for for a while. And, you know, to each their own. I know many purely technical traders who do just fine. And I know a lot of fundamental traders who don't even look at the charts very much and they do fine too. So it's, it's many ways to reach the sort of path that you're looking to get to on, in trading. Also depends if you're more of a, I feel like day traders tend much more towards technicals and um, position traders slash swing traders tend to be more fundamental. I'd say when you're day trading, you don't really need to know like in a couple of weeks, where's the dollar going to be? It doesn't really matter if you're in there for a few hours. Right. So that's right. why I kind of focus on just technicals. But then you'd have those rare occasions where something crazy would happen. And then you think, oh, what did I do wrong? But then you didn't focus yeah. on the fundamentals. Like there could have been some news release. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that's the thing is to me, it's kind of just like a, well, you know, right now I personally wouldn't be shorting the dollar because, you know, an understanding just generally speaking where the dollar is likely headed based on fundamentals and the analysis that you do. Of course, fundamentals can change just like technicals, but just an understanding, just adding that level of, you know, all these factors tell me to be short bias on this, long bias on this. And then with that knowledge, making a decision, because usually I won't, a lot of times you get uh, a lot of traders who are very um, agnostic to price direction. They'll trade it long if they see a long trade, they'll trade it short if they see a short trade. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm very much like not like that. And um, I, like I said, breakouts, being agnostic with your trading is perfectly fine if that's something that works for you. Uh, but for me, generally speaking, I have a bias first that only allows me to trade one direction based on fundamentals, sentiment analysis, other metrics that I look at outside of just purely price action. And then the price action allows me to find the entries and the exits. And, and that's just my approach. Like I said, there are many ways to make it to the finish line. Well, I say any trade strategy works. Like if you put in the time, yeah, anything yeah. can work at the end of the day. Exactly. Win rate, people focus on win rate too much, in my opinion. Risk reward. Don't, don't look at my win rate. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be really like, oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> but it's it's like, um, I know you did a video on the SMC traders the same day that I did. I think it was like an hour apart, our uploads. Oh, you did one too. Exactly. Did day. you catch some hands? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I saw the, I think you removed yours, didn't you? I did, and I brought it back. Oh, I, yeah. I I removed it because I, uh, oh, well, honestly, the, the part that I clipped out, I had my editor just remove one part where I was, uh, I felt I was a little bit too harsh with the way I said something, and then uh, re-uploaded it. Because I, I actually spoke with um, ICT, who is a really cool guy, Michael. Um, spoke with him and he was like, no, you know, your video was, was good. Uh, there is a little bit of a, um, 
us versus them sort of herd mentality that's going on in the world of SMC versus non-SMC traders that the source himself said was created and it's not really there because there's many ways to success, as we were saying. So I'd say, because um, I watched your video and you went over how it's not like the holy grail. And I kind of said the same thing about SMC traders saying that if you don't trade SMC, then what are you even trading? Because people have said that to me, because do you know on Instagram, we put the questions thing. I did one of those and someone said, oh, do you trade at SMC? And I replied with no. And I got so many DMs saying, well, what do you trade then? It's like they only, they thought that was the only way to trade mm. was SMC and that like retail traders aren't profitable, even though they are retail traders, which I find quite, find quite funny how they think it they're, is, they're interesting. The language traders. is very, uh, the language is very confusing because yeah. um, it's a lot of jargon from the industry itself. And when you start picking it apart, it falls, it falls apart like a house of cards. And I have nothing against SMC traders as I don't have anything against any trader on YouTube. I don't do the drama. It's like, you know, I, just no need because at the end of the day, I'm not comparing myself to anybody else on YouTube. I'm comparing to myself to myself. And that's how I think everybody out there should, you know? So for me with, with the SMC stuff, um, if you don't trade SMC concepts, it doesn't mean you can't be profitable. And if you do trade SMC concepts, it, well, I guess I'm sounding redundant. SMC material, not smart money concepts, concepts. Uh, the, the thing is, right, anybody can be profitable if they take the time to build their rules out and they, they test their concepts, they have the capital behind them, they have the risk management, all of those things. A particular entry and exit style is not going to make or break every single component to your trading success. And so I think that there's a, there's a supposed to be between, you know, when I spoke to Michael, the really the pioneer in that space, um, there's supposed to be harmony between the two, but there's not because there's people who think that, oh, if you're not an SMC trader, you have to be losing money. And the other part of that language is that retail trader doesn't mean losing trader. Retail trader just means you don't trade at a bank or an institution or a hedge fund. People who don't trade at hedge funds are not necessarily unprofitable, just mostly are. So, and if you're an SMC trader, finally, you're not, you're still a retail trader, like yeah. you said, like unless you work at a hedge fund. So the language is all screwed up. <laughs> and they say they, they trade like the banks, don't they? They're institutional traders when they trade on MT4, which is obviously retail, which I find quite interesting, but you know, each to yeah. their own. And I'd say yeah, that, and that's the thing trading to me, I would say trading, trading like the banks is also a language issue because banks don't trade in a single way. And in fact, when they did a poll on hedge funds, they asked, uh, I got to find this because I'm going to just sound incredible unless I find this. I read something anecdotally, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was like a, a poll where they asked hedge funds, you know, do you use technical analysis in placing your trades? And only like 25% said yes. So the thing is, how are you trading like the banks if the banks themselves are fundamentals, position traders, uh, you know, real world application, you know, software, like all there, there's to, to blanket statement and say, oh, we trade like the banks. Well, you might, you might trade like a certain bank or one of the banks maybe trades in a certain way, 
But um, that's like saying that all banks trade the same and they don't. They yeah. Banks are just entities where they, just like you and I, we manage money. They're just managing a lot more of it and they don't use one strategy. There's all different types of hedge funds. There's quantitative hedge funds. There's, um, you know, uh, multi-strategy hedge funds. There's uh, old fashioned where they have literally like 20 different traders with 20 different tested strategies. You know, there's many ways that banks and institutions trade. So to blanket statement them is also not fair. Yeah. And I'd say the main issue with like the, the whole SMC thing, it's not the actual trading strategy. It's more of the marketing because you can't catch a one to 500 every week. And you're oh, not sure going you to easy one to 500 <laughs> anyway. Like I'm kidding. You, no, that that is you catch uh... a one to 100. You're not going to hold yeah. a, a trade that's going to double your account. I've never, I've never even heard anybody talking about a one to 500. That, that would be incredible if that, if you could hit a one to 500, I think I would just retire right there. <laughs> I saw um, another podcast. Someone said they caught a one to 665. Wow. So six times his account in one trade. So. Wow. That's, that's an interesting uh, risk profile there. That's gotta be, I bet you it's so razor thin on the risk to reward um, profile thing on trading view that you can't even see the stop loss. <laughs> I don't even see how it's possible because like, especially with spread, how are you getting yeah. less than a pip stop loss? Oh yeah. That's, that's one that's a little bit above me. Sometimes I'll get some comments that are like, um, you know, so-and-so trades with a half a pip stop loss. And I'm like, yeah. what broker are you trading? Cause I need that broker. I need, I, guess, I need a stop loss that tight. The only pay you could do on it is probably EU, isn't it? Probably, probably so. Cause that would be even still, I don't think yeah. uh, I use Oanda and their spreads are fine, but they're nowhere near that good. Yeah. <laughs> Going back onto the whole YouTube and transparency thing, would you say it's improved your trading having it so public? So people can see if you make loads of losing, losing trades, people see it. Do you think it's improved your trading that everyone can see your results? Oh, it sucks. It sucks oh. to be transparent. It's really, really painful. Uh, it, I would encourage that, uh, you know, anybody who, anybody who would like to, sort of be a, a figure like that. I encourage more people to do it because I think it's, um, it's, I, I think it's, it's the right thing to do per se, but on top of that, it does really, really stink sometimes uh, because it, it has helped me. Don't get me wrong. Cause I don't like, I make very, very few mistakes being that transparent. Cause I'm not trying to, um, you know, double my account. I'm trying to do what I do, which is very slow and conservative trading. And um, so I, I'm able to no problem hold against my rules or, or stick to my rules. But the problem, man, is that when you are showcasing a MyFX book, when you are showcasing real trades on real brokerage accounts in front of people, there is no question a tremendous amount of stress that comes with it. Will I do it forever? Honestly, I don't know. I, you know, I, my, my goal with my YouTube channel is to document my journey. Um, so I probably, I probably will, as long as I'm still on YouTube, do that. But I will say it adds another degree of stress to trading to 
do your trading, which is hard enough when you experience drawdowns internally, like if no one else was looking over your shoulder, it's still hard. But then when you have people looking over your shoulder, it just adds another level of, you know, Nick, what were you thinking on this? And Nick, what were you thinking of that? And, and, you know, like I said, I, I've been doing it for a while, so I'm, I'm a bit used to it, but there's no, you know, truly getting used to it. Uh, people like Warren Buffett, and I don't know if you're familiar with Kathy Wood, who's a big, um, her ARK Invest, you know, you have a different appreciation for those sort of people when you realize what it takes to be in the public's eye trading, investing, because the markets beat up everybody. There's nobody who is exempt from market volatility. Like you don't, you don't just get to opt out of taking losing losses and losing streaks. So, you know, um, there's some pros and cons to it. I think that uh, it is, for me, it's, it's challenging to do, <clears throat> but it is the only thing that I plan on doing is being transparent on my trading account. If, you know, if I have a massive drawdown or a big losing streak, I just get on the camera and I talk about it. Cause I'm just like, you know what, if you hate me for it, then you're a jerk, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm trying to show you what's real. Um, it is what it is. But I think, I think honestly, uh, it's been kind of addictive as well to add to your thing. It's been addictive to be transparent because people rally behind that. And, and I've, I've been, you know, blessed with an awesome community. You probably have experienced the same. There's a lot of really good people out here who are genuinely trying to trade and learn. And uh, they are motivated, like you said earlier, by people who are being transparent. And it's, it's a self-fulfilling thing. It's like the more transparent you get, the more transparent you want to be. Because it's like, I don't want to do anything else except for really just trade and, and talk to other people who are in the same boat. Based on the, uh, the MyFX book, do you think having everything so public has made people realize, okay, making 5% a month isn't bad? Like, when I see traders say, oh, we made 30% this week, 40% this week. And then people message me because I just show how much I make per week. And they're like, oh, you, this guy made 30% a week. You only made 5% or something like that. And they get like the unreal, unrealistic expectations. But then you get the people that actually show what it's really like that then they can realize, okay, I don't have to make this much per week. I don't have to risk 5% per trade to keep up yeah. with this guy. Well, I will say this. I think in my personal opinion, the only credible people to pay attention to are people that will drop a link uh, or have a long-term showcase with a, a prop firm that's legitimate. Those are the two qualifiers. In my personal opinion, anybody who tells you they had X number of percent per, month, per week, it doesn't, to me, I've been doing this long enough, it doesn't mean anything because so many people will say, you know, I'll drop a video talking about performance and people will be like, oh, Nick, you know, this sucks. I did that in a weekend. It's like, well, what'd you do the weekend before? You know, it's, it doesn't uh, short-term variance, short-term good fortune or blowing accounts just means nothing. At the end of the day, if you can't ask someone, if someone cannot provide for you long-term performance or showcase their results, their short-term results mean nothing. If I flipped a coin and told you I put all my money on this, if I'm right, you're going to be like, what? And then if I'm wrong, you're like, you idiot. So it's like, yeah. it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work the same. If you flip the coin 500 times and you're still netting a profit over time, then, then you've got a weighted coin or something. Cause that's, that's a, that's a good, uh, outcome. I'm filming a video right now 
flipping a coin um, and seeing if it's profitable. Mm, nice. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see. What are you? Um, what are you? What asset are you trading? Just random forest pairs. Just random. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw something about that. Uh, I saw someone back test something similar, specifically on SPX 500 or the spider um, with a coin flip, and they found some profitability in just adding a good risk to reward yeah. and flipping coins. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. So it, perhaps it matters which asset you trade. You know, gold might be perform better or worse than pound yen. I don't know, but that I'm, I'm looking forward to that video. I'll, I'll be looking out for it. How to trade is already up. Oh, it's 100%. already up. Yeah. I got to look at that then, but that's, that's cool. It's interesting. I'd say it's quite unrealistic though, because it also matters where it is in the market. If you're in mm-hmm. a really big downtrend and the coin says to buy, but likely you're going to lose. Right. So it's kind of, yeah, it's not, not the most reliable trading strategy <laughs> fair enough well that's that's cool i'll still go i'll find it and watch a little bit of it that sounds cool <laughs> one thing i want to talk about is how like you invest your money and i think you you only compound your trading account don't you, you don't withdraw from it um so i have um about half of what i trade uh, about half of what I, I total invest, half of it is in longer term investing stuff and half of it is in um, trading shorter term. Uh, with that perspective, I inherently move money around. I, I do try to avoid withdrawing as much as possible. Fortunately, I am in a, uh, a good enough situation to where like, for example, the dividends alone from my stocks pay for like, my, my needs, like my, uh, whatever, whatever I need to pay for in the short term, which is kind of nice. So for example, I could take money from there. Um, YouTube does a good bit of just like my, my day to day, um, per se, cause that just gets sent. And then, you know, the other half pays for the editor and the, the video production and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the thing is I do try to, like you said, avoid, like the plague withdrawing from my trading accounts as much as possible because of the compounding nature that you mentioned. I know some people say, um, when I started, I saw a a channel which was saying, if you make 10%, withdraw like 5% of that, spend it, make another 5%, withdraw 5%, spend it. Then I was like, well, the account's just never going to grow. If you go into a losing streak, and you're below the original original investment anyway, well, then you can't withdraw it because the account's just going to go down and down and down. So that's why I've lied to withdraw the profits I've made too. So I make like, I don't know, 3% withdraw it. Then you have a losing streak. I'd say the worst thing in trading is when you're below that original balance. Mm. And that's when I started compounding. Because I think I saw yeah. your videos as well when you say you just try and grow the account. Like any spare money you have, you deposit because then your wins yeah. are just going to get bigger. Yeah, and there's a there's another level to it that I will add to. Um, try and just be quick with this. I got to hop off in just a few minutes. But um, for me, the other half of it is like withdrawing hurts the compoundability of the account. But also the more that you let the account just grow, I actually don't like scale up my positions with my trading account nearly as fast. 
And the reason I do that is because as the account gets bigger, uh, I try to reduce my position size relative to that. Now I'm still increasing my position size just inherently over time as the account grows um, and I deposit to the account and, and what have you, you know, I'm starting to do that, but I try to slowly take a lower percent of risk because I, as an, if an account gets to 500K up to a million dollars, like if it gets up to those points, you don't need 10% a month. You just need half a percent. 1%, 2%, you know, you don't need massive returns in terms of a percentage if your account size gets big. Now that's a great problem to have. And, and like I said, that's um, not something that I would have had, you know, in, unless I had done this for so long, but um, that's kind of just the realistic nature of when you talk about professional traders, the long-term goal should be to reduce risk slowly as you build accounts and you know get further and further away from that possibility of taking on a lot of water within tra any trading account. But th that's just my personal approach. Other people are more aggressive than me. You know, um, they'll grow an account and they'll bang on, throw on more lot size. They'll, they'll put you know double down, put more pressure on it. And I think that there's room for that. There's a room for aggressive growth style and being you know equally aggressive as you get bigger. Um, some of the best in the world have done that. People have, you know, really scaled up trading accounts like that, you know, going from a hundred thousand to, you know, maybe 10 million in like 20 years is, is possible. If you're willing to be aggressive, it just, uh, just depends who you are. Cause what I personally do is let's say the accounts are like a hundred thousand, obviously you're risking a thousand per trade. I, let's say it went to 105,000. I don't then risk. 1% of the 105,000, I still risk 1% of the 100,000. That's what I do as well. Say above 110,000, then yep. I can up the risk a little bit. Yeah, like you have thresholds. Mm. That I, I generally agree with that. Like that's that's to me how I would, so like you get like to a threshold and I slightly increase just yeah. just because I don't need to really, you know, I'm still good with the gains that I'm making. So why do I need to like keep that risk profile? I'd prefer to let that risk profile degrade compared to the account rather than mirror the, the growth of the account, if that makes sense. But sounds like we're on the same page with that. Uh, final little section is we get the previous guest to ask uh, the next guest a question. So the previous guest, uh, JXSM5, are you familiar? Um, I think I've heard the name. Uh, there's, I feel like I've seen the name. And he asked, why do you trade? So he asked that to me. Yeah. Why do I trade? Um, the, the number one reason is I love the challenge of the markets. Uh, I, I just am thrilled by the idea of learning strategies, backtesting strategies, um, finding ways to keep the accounts at lowest possible risk with the maximum possible. Like that's to me, it's just a puzzle. It's a, it's a really challenging puzzle. And I plan on trading as long as I can. I have no short-term version of trading to me. It's all long-term. It's all a fun adventure and a fun challenge. And I'm, I'm sure that you probably feel the same way. And most people who do trade that I know have a similar, you know, they love the, the challenge of it. They're not trying to um, cash out in a year. Uh, I agree with that. You're always trying to better your strategy, better yeah. your psychology to then have like, obviously you can never have that perfect trading strategy because you're, as long as you're losing, you can still mm -hmm. improve. So, and do you have a question for the next guest? Ooh, I could pass it on, but that, or like pass the same question off. I feel like that would be kind of boring. <laughs> so um, let's see to the next guest. 
I would say, explain your strategy in two sentences or less. Like give us the note card version of your trading strategy. That'd probably be a good uh, question to ask any trader, I feel like. Perfect. Well, awesome. it was great having you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing more of your content. Thank you for having me on.